Join Global Genes and the Orphan Disease Center at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine for the annual Rare Drug Development Symposium, June 6th and 7th in Philadelphia. The symposium will focus on the drug development process and is designed to connect, educate, and inspire rare disease advocates. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org forward slash RDDS. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. FSHD is a rare progressive muscle wasting disease that affects the face, shoulders, and arms before advancing to the lower body. Like many rare conditions, it's caused by an underlying genetic mutation. Fulcrum Therapeutics is developing an experimental therapy for FSHD, the lead candidate in a pipeline of medicines that target genetic diseases at their root cause. We spoke to Robert Gould, president and CEO of Fulcrum, about FSHD, the company's experimental therapy to treat the condition, and how it thinks about its broader pipeline. Robert, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Danny. I'm really excited to talk to you today about the work we're doing here at Fulcrum. Well, we're going to talk about Fulcrum, the company's lead drug candidate, and the rare condition FSHD. Let's start there. What is this FSHD? How does it manifest itself, and how does it progress? So FSHD is uh, one of the more common forms of muscular dystrophy, and the, the initials FSHD are taken from the progression of the disease, which typically first uh, uh, is evident in the face, which is where the F comes from, then, uh, as the disease progresses, it moves into the shoulder girdle, uh, particularly affecting the, mus the scapular muscles, the muscles that run across the, uh, the top of your back and your shoulder area. As the, as the patients progress with this disease, the next group of muscles that are affected are the muscles of the upper arm and the trunk, humeral, and then dystrophy reflecting the death of the muscles. So fascio-scapulo-humeral dystrophy reflects the progression of the disease really from the top of the body uh, down towards the lower extremities of the body. It typically presents itself in late adolescents or 20-year-olds and then will, will progress over the next several decades of, of the patient's life. And how is it typically diagnosed? Is it easy to diagnose? Do people live a long time unaware they have the condition? Yeah, that's, it's really an interesting disease in that regard. Uh, Two-thirds of the patients have a familial uh, inheritance of the disease, and so, of course, for those patients, uh, as the disease begins to evidence itself and present itself, they, they are aware of the disease. Their aunt, their uncle, their mother, their father, their brother, their sister may have the disease. So in those cases, it, it is quite um, apparent early on. One-third of the patients are, are spontaneous genetic alterations. 
And those are a little more challenging to diagnose because they may not get to a neurologist immediately. They may be working with their primary care physician who may or may not have ever seen a patient with this form of dystrophy. And so for those patients, it's a little more complicated to diagnose, and they may uh, take some time or years before they actually get a definitive diagnosis. One feature of this disease is the patients actually lead a normal lifespan, so they will live into their 60s or 70s, as all of us uh, hope to do. And so there's not a there's not a more early mortality uh, effect like there are in some other genetically defined diseases. When the patient gets to a neurologist, it's it's quite often easily diagnosed because of this presentation from the face through the shoulders through the the trunk of the body. And are there treatments available today? Now, you know, this is one of the sad things about this disease is, is these patients really have no therapy available for them. So in the two-thirds of the cases that are that run in the families, uh, they, they can see where their disease is going to take them. They, many of them will eventually end up in a wheelchair uh, as, as, they, as the disease continues to progress. Patients in their 20s may be aware that they're headed towards a, a wheelchair, but there's really no therapies that, that can be taken for this. Uh, patients can experience a lot of pain as the muscle dies, and so sometimes they'll get uh, treatment for the pain, but it doesn't really affect the course of the disease. And, and so there, there really is nothing that these patients uh, can take to stop the inexorable progression. How did Fulcrum come to focus on FSHD? So we were founded about four years ago on the concept that there are many, many rare genetic diseases uh, that most appropriately lend themselves to uh, an approach other, other than a gene therapy approach. So there are many rare diseases for which gene therapy is perfectly appropriate. But in this case, we felt that, that really uh, alternative uh, treatments were really necessary. B because all of this, eventually all of the muscle in the body may be affected, we had to imagine a therapeutic modality that would get to all of the muscles in the body. And we selected this particular disease for for a couple of reasons. Uh, first is there's nothing that can be done for these patients. So so we really do want to, to uh, work on important diseases with no available therapies. In this particular case, not only is, is the disease uh, diagnosed clinically once you get to a neurologist, but there is also genetic tests that can be done to confirm the particular form of muscular dystrophy that the patients have. So they may present with this fascioscapular humeral presentation. And then uh, in Europe, uh, at least, um, insurance will cover for a, a genetic test to confirm the diagnosis. The test is available in the U.S., but it's not covered by insurance, so often the patients just won't get, won't get the testing. From our point of view, this was really interesting because here we had a well-defined population both by clinical presentation as well as by genetics. And even further, the toxic protein that's killing the muscle was well known. It's a protein called uh, DUX4, and that, that protein that's being inappropriately expressed in the skeletal muscle is actually killing the skeletal muscle. So as we thought about how did we want to address diseases with an imbalance of gene expression, 
this disease uh, seemed like a, an important opportunity for us. We know the genetics. We know the molecule that's killing the muscle cells. We know the patient population. And with no available therapies, we felt there was a real opportunity to make a difference in patients' lives. Uh, how did you hit upon inhibition of the DUX4 gene as a way to treat the condition? So one of the unique things we can do here at Fulcrum is, is study muscle cells and nerve cells in the environment that they find themselves in in the patient's body. So we can take cells from an FSHD patient, we can grow them in the laboratory, we can assess their function in the laboratory. And academic investigators had shown over the last five or eight years that this protein DUX4 was killing the muscle cells. So we really asked the question in the laboratory, could we find a mechanism to stop this protein from being expressed or being produced in the muscle cells? And so we took muscle cells from patients, and we took them into the laboratory, and we asked a, a, a very general question, if you will, to the muscle cells. Show me how I can turn off this protein DUX4 using our chemical libraries and some of our genetic tools that we have to identify targets. And by just asking that very simple question of the muscle cells, if, if you will, figuratively, we were able to identify a molecular switch that when we could throw this switch from the on position to the off position with a small chemical, it was able to shut off this production of this DUX4 protein. GSK had been developing uh, a drug for acute coronary syndrome that failed in late-stage trial but this is a, a drug that inhibits the DUX4 gene. How did you come to license the drug and see it as a potential treatment for FSHD? Once we re realized that this molecular switch that turns off the DUX4 was an enzyme called P38, we, we scoured the literature for any available P38 inhibitors and identified this molecule from GSK that, as you say, had, had been in a number of previous clinical trials by inhibiting this enzyme P38. And what our discovery in the laboratory showed is that this molecular switch that was uh, being, that was turning DUX4 on really was this enzyme P38. We approached GSK about uh, obtaining a license to the compound, losmapamod, for the purpose of treating these FSHD patients. Uh, a, a discovery made in our labs that GSK really uh, was unaware of and, and hadn't even considered that this compound that they had on their shelf had the potential for these muscular dystrophy patients. And what's known about the drug to date? So the drug to date has been in about 3,500 patients, so it's really had a very uh, large patient exposure, really looking at a number of diseases that are driven by inflammation. So you'd mentioned uh, some of the cardiac involvement, acute coronary syndrome, uh, myocardial infarction. It's also been in, uh, uh, evaluated in patients with COPD, patients with rheumatoid arthritis, and a number of different inflammatory diseases, and didn't meet the criteria that GSK had set for a successful drug uh, in terms of efficacy efficacy, but what it did meet was just an extraordinarily uh, good safety profile bar. So being in 3,500 patients across 10 different indications, actually covering the age span that many of the FSHD patients are in, 
uh, gave us confidence that, that this drug was very safe uh, in the in the patients of the appropriate age and that we were interested in targeting with FSHD. So so that was one of the first things that really attracted us to losmapamod. Uh, it, it's extraordinary clinical safety profile. I think the second thing was our fundamental assumption of how this drug is working in FSHD is completely different than all the pr other previous clinical trials that had been assessed with losmapamod. They were all predicated on this the assumption that uh, in the P38 played a role in inflammation. Our molecular assumption is completely different. Uh, our, what our laboratory discovery showed us is that P38 plays an inappropriate role in turning on uh, DUX4. And so while the starting point for our discovery was completely different, we were greatly encouraged by the great safety profile we saw. And what's the clinical development path forward? The clinical path forward is really built on the uh, safety profile. One of the first things we did when we got the compound from GSK was to do, evaluate it in about 15 FSHD patients just to verify that in, in the patients that we wanted to treat with the drug that it had the same uh, kind of safety profile that, that GSK had previously reported. And secondly, we wanted to be sure that the drug actually penetrated into the muscle of the patients. So earlier in 29, mid to early 2019, we verified that the drug was safe in FSHD patients and importantly penetrated into the muscle of FSHD patients. With that data in hand, last August, we started two trials actually in FSHD patients. Uh, one, one trial is a um, multi-center uh, international trial, so we're in five different countries evaluating FSHD patients in a, uh, a very well, what we think is a very well-designed clinical trial. About half the patients will get a placebo drug. About half the patients will actually receive losmapamod. And so by about the third quarter of this year, we'll be able to assess what benefit losmapamod has in these FSHD patients, particularly looking at this DUX4 protein and DUX4 effect and be able to compare that to patients that are just getting placebo. Uh, the other phase two trial that we're also doing in FSHD patients is, is at a single site in a, in a single country. And there we're, again, looking at uh, what we call DUX4 driven gene expression. So this, what the effects of this DUX4 on the skeletal muscle uh, in, in uh, a, a single center. So, and that is an open label study. So between those two studies by the third quarter of this year, uh, we're hoping that we'll have a good assessment of whether losmapamod can affect the underlying molecular root cause of the disease, which is this production of this protein DUX4 and the downstream effects of that protein. You're not alone in developing a therapy for FSHD. How unique is the approach and, and where does Fulcrum fit into the competitive landscape? So there have been a number of co companies that have looked at NFSHD previously, and and none of those uh, clinical trials led led to progression of the compounds. They they uh, they just uh, didn't meet uh, endpoints that the com developing companies felt was appropriate. Uh, to our knowledge, we are currently in the lead 
position in evaluating any treatment for FSHD, being in the phase two studies, actually treating patients in a placebo-controlled trial, we think uh, make us the most advanced uh, compound in development. There are a number of companies that are in the preclinical uh, stage of looking for alternative modalities or treatments, uh, but the work that we've done to date and our, our interaction with uh, key opinion leaders in the space lead us to believe that we, in fact, are, are in, in uh, the lead of uh, developing drugs for FSHD. You're in the discovery phase for a number of other neuromuscular conditions, which offer some alignment with FSHD, but you also have programs in sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia. You're expected to submit applications to begin human clinical trials in those indications in 2020. Was that a matter of being opportunistic? How do blood disorders fit in with neuromuscular diseases? Yeah, Danny. Uh, you know, when we started Fulcrum, we were really interested in this concept, could we rebalance gene expression in diseases, hence the name Fulcrum. And in the one case, in the case of FSHD, uh, we're trying to downregulate or turn off a protein that's causing the disease. In the case of sickle cell and beta thalassemia, what we're trying to do is increase or turn on a, a, a gene and a protein. In, in the case of sickle cell and beta thalassemia, that protein is fetal hemoglobin. But the common theme there is, can we identify molecular switches that either turn on or off a gene of interest, turn off a disease-causing gene in the case of FSHD, turn on a, a gene or a protein that can compensate for the disease in the case of sickle cell. So the commonality is really uh, our uh, desire to really address the root cause and the molecular understanding of the diseases. And th this is one of the most, ex I've been doing drug discovery for 35 years now. This is actually one of the most exciting eras of my life because we can really address the molecular mechanisms of a disease independent of sort of the orientation that it's a heart disease or a muscle disease. Let's just look at diseases that we can treat by correcting imbalanced gene expression. And, you know, until the human genome was sequenced about 15 years or so ago, you couldn't even imagine asking a question like that. And now, now not only can we ask it, but we think we're making great progress towards rebalancing these root causes of diseases in a variety of states. Robert Gould, President and CEO of Fulcrum Therapeutics. Robert, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Danny. It was a great pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.